0: there are three things that grow more precious with age old wood to
1: burn old books to read and old friends to enjoy Henry Ford hi everyone and thanks for tuning in to easier with a friend we are best friends who have learned and benefited from examples of other great friendships before us And today, we thought it would be interesting to discuss some of them. As always, I am Chi. And I'm Elaine. And we are excited to be sharing one of our favorite topics today.
0: Yep. As close friends who have known each other 27 years now, we are always fascinated by other examples of close friendships. Today, we will discuss some of the best examples of great friends that we know of and any tips or tricks we learned from them about maintaining our friendship. So Chi, let's start off our very first pair of friends, super famous, Oprah and Gail.
1: Yeah, let me just give a quick background because they have been friends now for 46 years. They first met in 1976. They were both working at a Baltimore TV station. And even though they were in different departments, they were the only two single Black female there. and I believe the story goes something like one night there was a big snowstorm and because Gail couldn't make it home to her own place and Oprah lived closer to the studio, Oprah asked Gail to spend the night and kind of sheltered with her. And as they say, the rest is history.
0: Yep. So I think she and I have always been admirers of Oprah and Gail's friendship. And I mean, for pretty clear reasons they seem to be the kind of friends who just really have each other's backs at all times the term ride or die is was probably invented (laughs) for oprah and gail i'm the gail to your oprah that's the common saying we really admire how no matter the situation they are always there for each other and they have also said And this is not an exact quote, but I seem to remember that they've also said that, hey, they're also each other's best critics. Like they're always honest with each other and they're able to provide critique for each other in their friendship. And I think that's one of the greatest things that you can have in life, right? Is an honest mirror of your strengths and your shortcomings. So, you know, as a person where it is that you should grow or sometimes as humans, we have trouble acknowledging (laughs) our own shortcomings. And I think it's invaluable if you're able to be vulnerable with someone to have that person that provides you that feedback about what you yourself are lacking.
1: In this way, Elaine is definitely my Oprah because (laughs) I have often been like, all right, I just had a discussion with my husband and do you think I'm crazy to think this way? Or I just read something or this happened at a play date or whatever it is. You always have that friend that can kind of give you another perspective. So definitely find you a gal or find you an Oprah, whichever one you want to be in the relationship, find you one of those. (laughs) I think the other thing they had mentioned, which I think really makes for long-lasting friendship is that there is no jealousy. And everybody knows Oprah is very successful in many ways. So is Gail, right? But early on in the relationship where Oprah was clearly much more financially successful and much more famous than Gail, there was still no jealousy. They were still supporting each other. They still were on equal terms, if you will, in terms of their friendship. And so I really love that. And I think at one point I had mentioned to you how impressed I was about the length of their friendship, right? 46 years as of 2022. And you had mentioned something that I was like, wow, that's mind blowing. You want to share that with our listeners?
0: Well, first of all, let me just mention 46 years of friendship is older than she and I are at this very moment. (laughs) (laughs) We were not born yet when they became friends in comparison because she, she was talking about how long the length of their friendship was and I said well hey we have now been friends longer than we have not been friends. we've been friends longer than the t- amount of time we had been alive prior to us becoming friends Chi and I and she was like oh my god and I was like and by the time we reached their age we would have been friends for 54 years so technically as long as we both continue living We will out of friendship,
1: Gail. (laughs) Hashtag friendship (laughs) goes. All right, why don't we move on to our next example? Go ahead, Elaine.
0: So, the next example of great friends, one of my personal favorites, actually, that I insisted be included on this week's episode, (laughs) Catherine of Aragon and Maria de Salinas. And just to give a brief background, probably need a little more detail than Oprah and Gail, whom everyone knows. But Catherine of Aragon was the first wife of Henry VIII. Almost everyone knows her famous husband because of, you know, all his craziness with all the wives and whatever. But very few people probably know of her individually. But she was his first wife. She was a princess of Spain. And Maria de Salinas was one of her ladies-in-waiting. They became very close friends, as a matter of fact, during their... Lifetime together, Maria was technically supposed to be forwarding the interests of the Spanish court, sort of spying, I guess, on Catherine. It was a point of contention because Maria was more loyal to Catherine than she was to her country. And so she wasn't performing (laughs) the adequate duties she was supposed to, according to the King of Spain. But more importantly, when King Henry set Catherine aside, For Anne Boleyn, his second wife, in an attempt to sideline Catherine, Henry had her banished essentially to a faraway castle. And when she was on her deathbed, he forbade anyone to visit her. And when Maria learned that she was dying, she rode through the night 60 miles, I believe, to go visit her friend. And at some point in her journey, she was thrown off her horse and got back on and continued her journey so that Catherine wouldn't die alone. And when she arrived, she was muddy and dirty. She managed to convince the jailer that, hey, well, I lost the papers, which the king granted me to allow me to visit. And he believed her, let her in the room. And once she was inside, she locked the door and refused to come back <laughs> so she arrived at Kimballton which is where Catherine was being held on January 6th, and Catherine passed the following day in her arms. So what I think was most interesting about this friendship is because I thought it was so brave of Maria is that she was risking literal death. I mean, Henry was crazy. The possibility of death or imprisonment for defying him and going to visit Catherine were extremely high, actually. And she did it regardless. It didn't matter to her. And when Maria finally passed in 1539, the legend is that she was interred at Peterborough Cathedral with Catherine. So she could stay by her queen's side in death as she
1: did in life. Wow, that is such a touching story. And you're right. I am so glad, first of all, that we don't live in a time where some crazy person that called himself king can make up all kinds of rules and then chop your head off for it because (laughs) if I was alive in that time I'm not sure if I would be brave enough to risk death to be able to come see you not even the journey itself but the like punishment afterward and Mm -hmm. just about how much easier it is to be friends now if you're sick I'll call you I'll facetime you if I can't make it there for whatever reason (laughs) right if I can't get on the plane which is already much more comfortable than the ride she had to take on horseback to go see her friend it's so much easier nowadays to be there for your friends and be there for each other versus back in those days. It's like, I'm sure Catherine didn't even know someone was coming and mm-hmm. she ended up thinking that she was going to be alone. And how comforting it must feel to have Maria come for her, mm-hmm. knowing how hard it is and knowing the risk. So such a touching story. Yeah,
0: that's the reason I really wanted to include this one, because when I learned about their story, I was like, you know, A great friendship like that shouldn't just be lost to the annals of history, right? But uh, moving on from the sadness, (laughs) our (laughs) our third great friendship, Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe. Chi, you want to tell us a little about them?
1: Yeah, so a quick backstory. I don't know if we would classify them as a best friend duo, but definitely for them to even have a friendship is surprising because Mm -hmm. during the 1950s in America, where race was such a touchy topic if you will let me just tone it down a lot right <laughs> mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe who was already a big star at the time the story goes that one of her acting coaches had recommended that she listened to Ella Fitzgerald to kind of help improve her own singing and mm-hmm. therefore she became a fan of Ella Fitzgerald so at one point she was asked about her favorite singer and this is a quote from her she said well my very favorite person and i love her as a person as well as a singer i think she's the greatest that's ella fitzgerald and so mm-hmm. not only was she a fan but she also of course really liked ella as a person and on top of saying nice things about her she also would show up at clubs where ella was singing at to help give her more publicity just by showing up and support her career and so I think just looking at the context of the political and cultural atmosphere at the time, it's so amazing to think that two women who you can say are from such different backgrounds can be supportive of each other still. It's just a beautiful story. Something definitely we wanted to highlight. Mm-hmm. Well, it was
0: such a big change that Marilyn made to Ella's career that Ella said long after Marilyn had passed that she owed Marilyn Monroe a true debt. She mentioned that once Marilyn started promoting her and Marilyn went really like out of her way to ensure her success, that she never had to play a small jazz club again, because she had been having trouble booking bigger clubs. And I think her first big club booking, Marilyn made a deal with the club owner actually, and said, Hey, If you'll book her, I'll come sit in the front row every single night of the performance and I'll bring my famous friends. And I believe she brought Frank Sinatra and Judy Garland, if I remember correctly, to the opening night performance. She made a real change, I think, to her career trajectory. But also what I think is really lovely about this friendship, and again, for all friendships, is that despite the racial disparity of the time that Marilyn saw Ella as an equal, as a friend, as a person even though the prevailing segregation and all of that at the time would state that, hey, well she's not your equal because she's Black, but Marilyn didn't subscribe to that, right? And that's one of the great things about a friendship. I mean, if you have a friend who you think is below you, then you're not friends. (laughs) that's it that's not a friendship if you if you have a friend that you judge all the time for their actions y'all are probably not really friends right i think a good example of that is Marilyn. i think later on once ella was already playing the big clubs there was a time when she was going to catch a performance and realized that they were making ella walk in through a side door because again race tensions at the time they were like well hey you're you're black, you're not coming in through the front door. And Marilyn said, I am not attending any of these performances at this club anymore, or hereafter, I'm just gonna blackball this club unless you let my friend come in the front door with me. And so the club folded and allowed her to come in the front door with Marilyn. And thereafter, all of the clubs like fell in line and gave her the respect that she was due. I think there's just so many great things about that story. I think that what is really lovely about all of these friendships is that they've used their own power to support the other person as much as they can.
1: Yeah, I agree. Talk about supportive friendship. And if Marilyn hasn't done that, we might have missed out as a society on Ella Fitzgerald, who is a legend, right? All right. Our next set of friends is C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Elaine, tell us about them.
0: So I know we included a lot of female friendships on this list. (laughs) J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis are the only pair of guys that we are spotlighting. I picked out this pair because J.R.R. Tolkien, as most of you may know, is the very famous writer of the Lord of the Rings series. And I am a diehard Lord of the Rings (laughs) fan. (laughs) And C.S. Lewis is the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia, also very famous series. And so they were both at Oxford teaching and then they met for this study group or discussion group and became friends. And they actually had a lot of effect on each other's writing. So as you guys may know, a lot of C.S. Lewis's writing about the Chronicles of Narnia is actually, and he said this, is that it's really about religion, right? About God and finding God and all of that. But what you may not know is that when they became friends, Lewis was actually not a Christian. Tolkien was the Christian. And in the course of their friendship, he introduced Lewis to Christianity and faith. And then that prompted the writing that you know of Lewis's today. And Lewis also had a pretty big effect on the Lord of the Rings being brought into the world because I think Tolkien wasn't sure that his writing was good enough to publish. And as he said, direct quote, but for his interest and unceasing eagerness for more, I should never have brought the Lord of the Rings to a conclusion, referring to Lewis. So basically he's saying that without C.S. Lewis and his interest in his books and his support, he would never have written one of my favorite series of all time. (laughs) And he called it, quote, an unpayable debt, one he never forgot. So I think that's really cool. One of my takeaways from this friendship is that not only is it just you might support your friend emotionally, sometimes physically, like Maria did with Catherine, I think Having great friends who sometimes support things like your ambition, right? And support you finding your life's purpose and things like that is so important. Some of the world's greatest literature, apparently, would not be in existence, right? If it wasn't for great friendships. And what's really funny and what I know Chi will relate to, because... She really likes George R.R. R. Martin's <laughs> Game of Thrones. And it has been said that perhaps George needs his own
1: C.S. Lewis to guide him back to Westeros. <laughs> well, it's interesting because George has talked openly many times about how much J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings series helped create who he is as a writer and shaped him when he was younger. So Without C.S. Lewis helping Tolkien, George o. R. Martin wouldn't be the same writer. <laughs> <laughs> so, our next duo,
0: she knows far more about this friendship than I do. So, she's going to take the lead on this.
1: Yeah. So, our next pairing is Adrian Houghton and Lana Hawatme. If we butchered Lana's last name, we apologize. So they, I guess, are not as well known of a pair, but when I heard their backstory, I literally told Elaine, we need to do an episode on examples of friendship because I thought that it was just so inspiring. So Adrian Houghton is a celebrity in America who when she was younger. She used to be part of the Cheetah Girls and 3LW, I believe. I'm sorry. I wasn't a fan of hers when she was in the girl band era of her career. And later on, where I started kind of hearing about her and following her a bit was because she was on a morning talk show called The Real. And that show Mm -hmm. kind of similar to the other morning talk shows, but they featured women of color. So, they had Black Americans on there. They had Adrian, who is Hispanic American. They had G. Mai, who is Vietnamese American. And they kind of featured and elevate voices of women of color. But aside from that, Adrian has been in the show business since I think she was like 15, maybe somewhere around there. And Lana, at the time when they first met, was just a fan of Adrian. And Lana started out as a part time assistant. From that, their friendship evolved to being business partners. Lana has a very business savvy mind. And within the last few years, Lana and Adrian have worked on starting a few businesses together. Through these businesses, Adrian has made more money in this past few years than she did in her entire showbiz career. And so I thought it was just such a nice thing to see two people who like Oprah and Gayle were on unequal grounds in terms of their celebrity status and money, but they were able to really form a bond. Adrian thinks of Lana as family. So a lot of times people say, well, you can't work with your friend. You can't involve money in friendship because somehow it would always lead to the destruction of the friendship. Obviously, that's not always the case. If you are true to each other, if you are upfront and honest and have a good relationship in terms of wanting the same goals, then it can be very successful and you can help elevate each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great tie-in to what we were talking about with Lewis and Tolkien earlier, right? Is that friendship can be So much more, you can also inspire each other to do more, be more, to achieve more, whether it is on a personal or even a career level, right? Maybe you're not launching an epic literary (laughs) novel, (laughs) like as she and I are not, (laughs) but maybe that there's something like you can support each other in your normal careers too. Um, That being said, our last pair is also a great friendship that we definitely see work together very frequently. So we wanted to highlight Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. This pair should need no introduction. And honestly, with celebrities and stuff, we don't know if these guys consider each other's best friends. I mean, I think certainly a lot of articles that write about them, call them besties. But I don't know if they've actually ever come out and said, hey, she's my quote, best friend, like Oprah and Gail have. But Tina and Amy met in 1993 in Chicago when they were working the comedy scene there. And apparently they took some improv classes together and shared many stage shows. And then Tina Fey moved to join the writing staff at Saturday Night Live. Tina Fey is actually the one who kept asking Polar to join her at Saturday Night Live. And then finally in 2001, she did. And I mean, the rest I think is history. (laughs) In 2004, actually, Jimmy Fallon left Saturday Night Live and Polar replaced him as Tina Fey's weekend update co-host and of course they've hosted the golden globes together multiple times they've done a lot of like film projects together and so i just think it's really cool because i think comedy is so frequently a man's game right there's far more famous male comedians than there are female comedians so it's just really nice to see a female comedic duo who knew each other from when they were really just like babies in comedy, (laughs) right? And then moving up through the comedy scene and then becoming really much more famous comedians together. And they're always very clearly like very supportive of each other. And as a matter of fact, in 2013, Tina Fey beat out Amy Poehler for a SAG award and Poehler gave her a standing ovation And Faye said in her speech, I share this with my sweet friend, Amy Poehler, who I've known for so long. I love you. So I think this ties back into the jealousy thing that she talked about earlier, right? In that, why be friends with someone if you don't have the ability to be happy for them? Yeah. Because, and we've seen a lot of examples of that in our own lives. How can you call that person a friend if you're hoping that they're just not gonna do as well, or maybe you want them to do well and just not as well as you.
1: (laughs) I agree. And what I've realized, especially at this stage of our life, is if you can overcome that human emotion, it actually is going to bring you a lot more happiness. Instead of being jealous of someone or being bitter that they didn't deserve it because you're better, instead learn to be happy for them. And I actually love the two of them together. I think they make each other even funnier. So I think they actually make each other better and kind of play off each other mm-hmm. and, and because they kind of came up together. And I guess in so many ways, because of how hard the comedy scene can be, they could have been competitors. They could have been like mortal enemies if you <laughs> were trying to compete. But yeah. instead, I feel like they help each other get better. I think they are a really good example of Women working together, making each other better, and I love that story you just told about how Tina acknowledged Amy. That's such a beautiful, beautiful way to acknowledge your friend because in so many Mm -hmm. ways, and I can say this about my own relationship with Elaine. Your friends, the the behind-the-scenes support that they give you to help you achieve certain things in your life—it's like if I ever won a lifetime achievement award for something, I would definitely have to include Elaine in my (laughs) acceptance just for all the. If you think about it, how much of a good influence your friend have had in helping to create who you are? No, I definitely agree. I think that
0: friendships, that's one of the greatest things that you can have in life. So that's it for this week's episode of Easier with a Friend. Once again, we deeply appreciate all of you listeners for tuning in. As always, we hope you are inspired to reach out to a friend today Remember to subscribe to the podcast on Facebook, Spotify, or Apple Music so you won't miss any new episodes. Follow us on Instagram at easierwithafriend, on our Facebook page, easierwithafriend, or email us at easierwithafriend at gmail.com. Check out our website, easierwithafriend.com for today's transcript.